The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world worth $700 million. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And after taxes, it's only like $450 million, So what's the point? Yeah, and like you defer the money and like it's not really $700 million. Uh, Jake Mintz, Shohei Otani's on the Dodgers. We're going to talk about it. We are recording this on Sunday evening. Before uh, the Monday morning that we normally record the uh, podcast, because we, we couldn't resist, we couldn't we couldn't wait any longer. We were not going to jump on uh, within seconds after Otani posted on Instagram to announce his commitment to Los Angeles Dodgers University, <laughs> but we we couldn't wait that much longer. Uh, so we are obviously going to talk about the biggest news of the winter. Essentially, no matter what, and that is a seven hundred million dollar contract, no matter how you slice it. We're going to talk about what it means for the Dodgers, Shohei Otani, and his future. Got to talk about the Blue Jays uh, and what this means for them, as well as, I guess, the few other teams that maybe thought they had a chance at Mr. Otani. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll look forward for, for the Dodgers, for those other teams, and then hit on some of the other moves that happened over the weekend that nobody cared about because one man signed for $700 million. Jake Mintz, here we are. It happened December 10th. And I think a good place to start is the beginning of Shohei Otani's statement on his Instagram, in which the first thing he did was apologize to us impatient freaks that thought that December 9th was way too long for the greatest free agent of all time to wait to sign his mega contract. And to that, I say, Shohei, save it. You did just fine, my guy. <laughs> you got nothing to apologize for, big man. Not even in the slightest. So that was a strange note to start that statement on. But let's start with the obvious, Jake. Where were you? What were you doing when Shohei Otani announced that he was signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers? I was sitting at my, uh, I was going to say dining room table, but I live in New York, so... I was sitting at the only table in my. <laughs> I was gonna say, you have a nice, you have a nice apartment, good amount of space. You don't have a dining room. No, no, no. no. I was out. sitting at the table on my laptop. I had just gotten to the gym, uh-huh. and I was drinking my little protein shake, okay. scrolling through my phone, had my computer up, and then boop, Jeff Passan tweet: Shohei Otani has announced on Instagram that he is the Los Angeles Dodgers, and. Uh, before I get to what I was doing. Oh, wait, wait. And sorry. 
and my fiance was outside with a friend of ours just hanging out. And I went down there and said, hi, so good to see you and bye because I need to go do some stuff. So the first thing before I get to what I was doing is like that, like this is how I expected it to happen. Like we're going to, after we talk about like what actually happened, which is Shohei Otani signing with the Dodgers $700 million, we are going to talk about the madness that was Friday and the circus that, and now all now, you know, retroactively applying conspiracy theories to it. We'll get to that a little bit later. But as for this wait for the actual announcement, this is exactly what I expected. I did not expect this to slowly leak out over the course of 24 to 36 hours the way we had like the Juan Soto trade and stuff like that. Like I knew for sure that this was going to be him announcing himself. Um, Because remember the first time it was, again, the statement, which it seems like this, we had an accompanying statement from Nezbolello within seconds, minutes. I don't know. But let's also talk about uh, oh, let me let me say what I was doing, and then we have to talk about like the actual post, <laughs> which is just a picture of a Dodgers logo because it just kills me. Um, I was at the Nutcracker. Uh, my wife and I decided to uh, spend the weekend uh, in Dayton and uh, just you know get it get it away, something something to do. And I'd never seen the Nutcracker before, and as a, a longtime supporter of the performing arts, it was just like, oh, Nutcracker Christmas season, let's do it. Let's go see the Nutcracker. And so I will always remember. And, and going into it, I was thinking, because that's a thing where, you know, you put your phone away. And I, I feel like the jokes about like, about to do X, that means X is about to happen. Like those jokes are pretty tired at this point. But as I was walking into the theater, I was like, oh, this is this is happening. Like I didn't oh, see anything. I was like, oh, it's not for sure, for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, intermission comes and I'm like, oh, yep. I see a couple missed calls. And then I, I have that the past notification. I was like, "Yep, he announced it." But but the the seeing the the even the couple seconds between Dodgers oh and then seven million dollars yeah is so that was very memorable. Let's get into the money mm-hmm. first. Seven hundred million dollars is ludicrous. The number that we knew the floor was five hundred million. Now, I I am shocked by 700 just because he might not be the same pitcher he was before. He might. And I wouldn't put anything past Mr. Otani at this point when it comes to baseball. But there are reasons to be worried. And when he his elbow went kablooey, I think as an industry, we assumed that number would go down. And part of me is like, well, it didn't. And then the other part of me is like, what if he hadn't blown out? Like, would this have been $800 million? What if he finished the year totally healthy yeah. and like finished third in the Cy Young, right? Or second in the whatever, right? Finish the Cy Young finish. What so, if the Angels made the playoffs, right? Like, what if he was like, like there's... In some ways, of course, the first few months were so overwhelming that that's that's why we're here because they're going to trust it. And and I just wrote about this at Fox, just kind of trying to grapple with the number. And ultimately, what was so interesting about this to me was that we speculated, okay, maybe the number would go down, but then also we thought about opt-outs. Maybe a team would want to have some more flexibility. Maybe Otani would want to have some more flexibility and say, hey, okay, maybe the teams aren't willing to give me what I think I'm worth, which is 700, 800 million, but I think I'm still worth that. So I'm going to give myself a chance. But ultimately, Otani didn't need to bet on himself because the Dodgers offered him $700 million, 
with yeah. no opt-outs and 10 years. And so there, there wasn't even a question there at that point. And, and, and ultimately what, it, what we realized is that the team that was going to win this had to show him that they did believe full heart. They're not paying for any sort of discounted version or any sort of risk. They're paying for the whole thing. Whether they're going to get it or not remains to be seen. But that was what was going to get this deal done. And I think that was very clear. Now, the deferrals matter, uh, time value of money and all that. You know, 10 bucks today is not 10 bucks tomorrow, is not 10 bucks the next day. And so, what that means is the overall cap hit for the Dodgers is going to be lower than the 70 million, 700 divided by 10. And that's going to allow the Dodgers to be a little bit more financially aggressive and add to their roster as Otani is going to get paid out over time. Now, my understanding. And my guess, this is somewhat speculation driven by conversations with people, Nesbolello and CAA understandably wanted this to start with a seven. And they could have made it 695 with less deferred money that would have probably ended up with like more money in the pocket, if that makes sense, right? But I think for them, it was like, we have a chance to make history. That's a nice, sexy round number. 700 million will make that work mm-hmm. because ultimately it is 700 will be paid to him at some point. And that is sure. You can argue about the taxes and the deferrals, whatever. And the, the tax part of it is important from a Dodgers standpoint in the short term, particularly they had set up their payroll going into this winter to be in really basically it was the most amount of room that they had under the luxury tax in years. It was about 80 million before they made this deal. So whether they're paying him $70 million in 2024 or $50 million, like that's a big difference. I also think that they're still very comfortable going into the luxury tax, but going that far beyond the luxury tax, like if they were sitting at 230, for example, before Otani, now we're going in, now we're heading into Mets territory, right? And we haven't seen them do that quite yet. And now with some of the deferrals and the way that they've, they've kind of maneuvered things, they're not going to necessarily have to go beyond what they already have in the past. And I think that's because... Shohei didn't want to be an anchor. Mm. And I don't want to think I I don't think he wanted to be perceived as an anchor either. Mm. And I I genuinely believe that this guy just wants to win at this point. He really just wants to win. And the Dodgers gave him the best chance to do that. And now he is giving the Dodgers, in a way, the best chance a better chance now to build around him and Mookie and Freddie and all the other pieces they already have. Now, I, it's not charity. <laughs> like, I, I get it. Right. But it is a decision that he and Nesbolello made that is relevant moving forward, I think. Yeah. And, and again, like, right, it's easy to just be like, oh, I thought he wasn't about the money and now he ends up with the richest contract in sports history. Well, that's just the nature of negotiations on the open market when you have an agent. Like, their job is to get you as much money as possible. And that's what he did. And, and and the forces at play and the motivations and the incentives involved in the teams that were pushing for him, which was more than one. It wasn't just Toronto, right? Chicago, San Francisco. Like that number over the past month probably kept going up and going up and going up because that's just how it, that's the whole point. That's what a free agency is, is you find out who actually wants you the most. And ultimately, but the other thing is, the Dodgers made a ton of sense for him for a million other reasons that we've discussed at, at, at length here. So it ended up being the perfect match in every sense. And so we can kind of feel like, oh, it's a bit of a letdown from the standpoint of, oh, wow, what if it's what we all expected? 
but that's it still ended up being the best case scenario uh, for both sides, I think. So the dot, let's look at it from the Dodgers. The Dodgers punted last winter for this, basically, right? Mm-hmm. They, in, and I think that that's an, their approach is understandable, not just because they ended up with him in the end, but like in a weird way, the Dodgers had maxed out their current thing where they were winning every year and then losing in the playoffs, right? They're a juggernaut of player development and they could keep doing this forever in perpetuity and it would probably be pretty sick. But the idea of taking it to the next level, of jolting it, of elevating themselves to a a different level of global sports brand and organization, Otani allows them to do that in a way that no other player can. And so banking that hard on him makes so much sense for the Dodgers because it takes them to a level they could not have gone without him. Now, that's true for all the other teams. I understand that, right? But, like, there's something about the Dodgers that makes it a little bit different. I, I just to there was a point I saw a lot on Twitter today that was like, why are why is all the media criticizing the Padres for spending and yet no one is cr- criticizing the Dodgers to do it? Like, the Dodgers are spending within their means, dude. This is within their ability to spend. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. And also, the thing about like the, the Padres comparison, and I, and I understand like seeing like, uh, Ken Rosendahl in particular taking a lot of flack for having, you know, written when the Padres were spending like wild being like, oh, is this, is this sustainable? And ultimately like the question of is sustainable, I understand if, if you read that from the standpoint of like, it comes across as, is this good? Like, I mean, if you listen to us too, obviously I don't know if anyone would say it was bad, but it was worth asking the question, right? Whereas with the Dodgers, we haven't seen them slow down really at any point. Now, at the same time, like we, we want every team to be doing this. We want every team to be spending aggressively. And we want every team to even be spending beyond their means, right? Like what the, what the Padres did. But we also ended up in a place that we just saw, which is that they felt like they needed to trade Juan Soto. And that is probably not a situation we're going to... Now, I could be wrong, right? But we've seen even the richest teams feel like they have to cut back. We've had the Yankees have... The Red Sox, like situations where like, oh, we have to get into the luxury tax. All these ownership dynamics are always different. But ultimately, like... I understand where Padres fans are coming from, where it feels like, oh, we're celebrating this, but but criticizing that. But ultimately, like the Dodgers have pushed it to a point where we've been able to trust them. Now, I will say, when you say it's taking them to that ne- next level, this is also, it's just kind of step three of this. And the guys that we've seen them invest in, right? Mookie, I mean, think about all the success they had before Mookie even got there, right? Mookie comes in, they win immediately. Then we keep going. We keep pushing. We keep pushing. We do Freddie Freeman. Now, Freddie Freeman is a different case because he, in a lot of ways, fell into their lap, all things considered. You know, that was a situation. You look at Freddie Freeman's contract. It's like, yeah, duh. Like, well, this is how is this, this this hard of a decision? But in this case, they have always struck when they've seen the seen the opportunity, that it, a, a, something that they trust. Now, there is a lot of risk that comes with Otani, but there's also so much guaranteed value in just him existing on the team and playing. Yeah even yeah. as a DH. And that's why it was clearly a, a rational and reasonable decision. Of course, you know, it is appropriate, right? We, the quote that's thrown all the time about Andrew, Andrew Freeman saying, if you're going to be, if you're rational in free agency, you'll finish third on every free agent. Well, this is a case where $700 million doesn't look rational, but in a lot of ways it's more rational than ever. I mean, it's, it's a goofy amount of money, mm-hmm. but like if this, this is the guy you do it for, 
This is the blank check player. He makes you so much money by simply existing. I mean, the Angels are the only ones who really know what that number is. The Dodgers won't benefit as much from the ticket sale boost because they're already selling out like 95% of games anyway. Mm -hmm. But he is such a force, man. People give a shit about him in a way that other people, other players don't have. Like, and so he's going to make some money back for them right away, instantly. And I think of the the little reporting that we've gotten so far, it's clear that ownership was not uncomfortable with this, that they understood this was a wise business decision. Yeah. And like, I'm sure they would have rather spent $600 million and $700 million because they're business people, but it's not that they weren't ready and willing to do whatever it took. And that is how we end up at this number. Very quickly before we take a break. You know, I, I, there was, there's a, I, whenever something like this big happens, there's a lot of, is this good for baseball? Mm -hmm. And I find that conversation exhausting and understandable. And I dwelled on it a little bit for Otani and I feel two types of ways, right? For those of us who are in and deep, it's, there's a, a sour-ish taste to it in a way, or like an underwhelming taste where the gap between the haves and the have-nots gets bigger and the power imbalance from a financial perspective grows. And it, it's not going to guarantee the Dodgers a title or anything, right? The playoffs are random. But there is like a evil empire wins again type feeling to it. If you are listening, if you are the level of fan who's listening to this pod. Right. The Blue Jays would have been a different story. Right. That would have been like, this is freaking cool as hell. You know, and I, I I think that is an understandable energy. However, our noses are too close to the screen where as eye rolly as it is, Otani being on the Dodgers elevates him into a different level of fame because of the eyeballs on that team. The association between them will make every Dodgers game on national television appointment viewing. It will make new, it will bring in new fans around the world in a level that could not have been the case necessarily in other places. And as, as much as like, it does feel like the inevitable conclusion of the story. I do think in the end, it is a sign. And I think Ken Rosenthal wrote this that Otani going to the Dodgers is a sign that we're in a good spot as a sport. Yeah, and I, you know, even with the Angels on a losing team all the time, never playing in an important game, you know, past June at any point, I wonder, like, it still felt like he had broken through and he had become this transcendent thing, and I do believe that. But then I think the WBC was so instructive of, of realizing, like, oh, no, there's, like, another level that he can he can ascend to. And, and it was the perfect possible script in the way that the WBC went. But I think that that's also true here, right? The dude just, he hasn't played in the postseason yet, right? He hasn't played in any of these games in, in, in major league contexts that have mattered yet. And so whether or not they, they win a world series with him, of course, there will probably have ample opportunity. I do agree. It will, it will kind of elevate it. And, and let's just quickly before, like, I mean, the very simple thing is, holy shit, this is, look at the top of this lineup. That's very basic and very true, right? I mean, the very obvious thing is, when has he ever played with a team this good anywhere close? He hasn't. He's had Mike Trout at times. I'm actually looking, excited to kind of dig into this year, 
or this week kind of looking into where, when is he hit in front of Trout, behind Trout, and like how those combinations have worked and how that could maybe work. How do you apply that to Mookie and Freddie and all these things? Whatever order you put them in, it's going to be ridiculous. Same way we talk about with Soto and Judge. But I do think that in a lot of ways, when you have soup, you know, we've, we've seen people argue about this in the NBA too, like super teams can be exhausting, but they also can be good for the sport in a lot of senses. And a lot of that is when they lose, right? And ultimately, I think while this also raises his his profile in a lot of ways, I think there are definitely going to be people that are rooting against him more. And that's definitely new. I don't think anyone was rooting against him on the Angels at any point. Um, and that is a new thing. That is definitely a new thing here. But that's also not necessarily bad uh, in a lot of senses in terms of just the general health of the sport. It's interesting. It's so. interesting. And it's it's that simple. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we will relive all the madness of Friday that led the entire country of Canada, multiple multiple countries that led Canada into a dark place unfairly. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now, just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G.com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. JP Mintz and JP Schusterman here. Let's dig in to the madness of Friday. One of the weirder days in the history of MLB free agency. There was no information. And because of that, there was too much information. We have bemoaned on this very show the uh, monotony at times of Shohei Otani's free agency. And by no you know, a uh, cause of his own Friday offered us an incredible climax to yes. the Otani sweepstakes. Yes. The, the lack of information evolved into a barrage of misinformation, Jake Mintz. And I know you chronicled this uh, to some degree uh, at Fox Sports. It's going to be kind of a rundown because it was kind of hard to follow everything. And we don't have to go step by step because at this point, it's over, but let's let's hit the key points, okay? The key points along the way begin in the morning when John Morosi, John Paul Morosi, uh, tweets the phrase, Otani's decision is imminent, possibly as early as today. Okay, so that kind of sets the tone for the weekend. Now, I would say when I saw that, I was like, okay, interesting. We recorded our pod Friday. I was like, all right, well, this is consistent with the reporting we've gotten over the past week or so that it wasn't going to happen during the winter meetings, but it wasn't going to take that much longer. So I was like, okay, like, sure. Like, I was like, all right, like, I am kind of going into this weekend anyway, thinking like there's a good chance this is going to happen. And then we start looking at flights, Jake. Hmm. (laughs) So what happens next? So uh, at around 9.31, you get like 9.30 in the morning, there's like amplification of smaller Twitter users Noticing that there's a flight from Anaheim to Toronto. And that flight over the course of the day becomes the most tracked flight in the world on Flight Aware, which is hilarious. Yeah, which I found that interesting because I was like, what other flights are like being tracked rigorously? Don't love that. Yeah. 
I don't, I'm just curious about that anyway. But anyway, so everyone's like, oh my God, here we go. Here's this flight. So we get the plane and then we get a, a report from an opera singer in Canada who says that there's a sushi restaurant being rented out by Yusei Kikuchi for 50 people near Rogers Center. And we're like, huh, that's a lot of smoke. Mm-hmm. Must be some sure. fire. And then, yeah, I mean, that one I was like, this is funny. But I, I, even that, I was not sold whatsoever. I was not like changing my evening plans or anything. And then at 1.53 p.m., J.P. Hornstra, a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, for now, reports that the Los Angeles Dodgers are not getting Shohei Otani and that Otani has agreed to a deal with the Blue Jays in that he is on the way to Toronto. Yes. Morosi tweets on the way to Toronto, I think shortly after that. Two hours later. Two hours later. So okay. J.P. Hornstra is like, that's a, uh, he's worked for newspapers, like he's a reporter, right? And he ends up just fucking this up to no end, biffing it down the drain mm-hmm. in a way that like, in some ways, like he's got to eat it and it'll forever be the, it'll be the biggest moment of his entire career, which is both fair and unfair. But that report, like it felt like around the corner, there was going to be a pass or a Rosenthal thing that, that was following it combined up. with Morosi saying on the way to Toronto, now we're officially fully on edge, right? When we and had at this, it, it felt like it was like, at this hour, Otani does not have an agreement with anybody. Felt like he does not have an agreement right now, which was just, you know, professional reporters covering their ass because it wasn't done yet. But it mm-hmm. still felt inevitable until. Until we get it, we start getting some strong refutations from Bob Nightingale and from some other reporters that say Shohei Otani is not on his way to Toronto. He never left Southern California. All of this is BS. And then we are stuck heading into Friday evening where basically it's like there's no decision. There's nothing happening. And it's just Blue Jays fans feeling fooled that that they thought that this was where it was heading in this direction. Because well, two accredited members of the media put very convincing reports out there. Oh, and then the plane lands in. It's uh, Shark Tank judge Robert Hertzsevek. Awesome. <laughs> this is this is just the best part. I mean, this is... And I was thinking, too, like, there were times when I was like, you know, I got the flight where I'm like, this could just be some guy. But we were treated to something even greater. Yeah, <laughs> I... Robert Hertzsevek. I'm sorry for Blue Jays fans, but this is tremendous content. <laughs> so then we're like, all right, well, that's like one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Uh, let's go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, Blue Jays fans are, are pissed, but at this point now we're just like, okay, what the hell was that? Like, that's, that's wild. Like what is going on? And then we got nothing in the next morning and then Otani just tweeted it so out. He's on the Dodgers. Right. 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 So I would just say that I think what happened here was obviously troubling on some levels. And I understand Blue Jays fans looking at the sequence of events and feeling like, they got used or something. And I know that we got all kinds of conspiracies. I know some people emailed us saying, oh, look at Robert Herjavec. He was a plant. He's CAA, all these things. Listen, okay? These negotiations were always going to get a little unusual 
okay? And I think that the Blue Jays had a very legitimate chance to sign Shohei Otani. I really do believe that. At the same time, let's rewind not even that long ago, a year ago, when we had Aaron Judge at the start of the offseason. We're like, he's got, got to go back to the Yankees. going back to the Yankees. And it stretched on and on and on. We had the Giants. We had him going to the Padres, visiting the Padres 12 hours I th- or within 24 or 36 hours of when the agreement comes out and he gets that ninth year with the Yankees. This is just how this process is going to go. And I'm sure that the Dodgers, whether they believed all the crap on Friday or not, Tom Verducci put out a story. That was uh, the best. That's SI, the best, re- which, re- best reporting we've had. Exactly. And he he basically quotes Dodger sources saying like, yeah, we were spooked. Whether it was true or not, we were uneasy. It sounds like the Dodgers had a meeting on Friday night internally and probably up their offer in the same way that when Judge goes and visits the Padres at the last second when the Padres are spending infinite money, he gets on the phone with Steinbrenner and Judge says, I want to be a Yankee, but we got to get make something happen. My guess is, and we're going to get more reporting on this because this is early to be making any sort of grand conclusions about this whole situation and how this went down. My guess is it was like, I want to be a Dodger. You got to you got to keep it you got to keep pushing and then they close the deal. That is my best guess as to what happened and why I don't find the sequence particularly nefarious. And ultimately, if if CAA is leaking or putting out information, like that's on the media to do a better job of distilling that and understanding you gotta verify when it is it. to share things. Yeah, you gotta yeah. verify it. Like we don't know how this went down. Mm-hmm. The Robert Hertzvec like CAA thing is incredible uh tinfoil like conspiracy thought i love it whoever is that's awesome there's no way it's true there's just i refuse to believe it doesn't it's not even relevant it's not even relevant right like what is it doesn't actually make a difference whatever blue jays fans should be pissed in my opinion they should be pissed because bad reporting gave them false hope in the same way that giants fans had it with arson judge a year ago right Mm -hmm. and that is an example of agents using the media for leverage to get a higher price for their clients, which is the practice. It's just like, that's just what happens. It doesn't always work, but we've seen it work many times. Like that is just kind of how, and if you, I understand if you don't like that, that's kind of the nature of the business, like that's fair. And I understand that this has made people think less of Otani and like, Again, I can't, t- I, I'm not going to tell people how to be fans or how they're t- to react. Like this, it was clear even once they had the visit, forget all this stuff on Friday, that the Blue Jays were getting to a point where it was going to be extremely painful if they didn't, you know, figure this out. If they didn't land the plane, both literally and metaphorically <laughs> with Otani on it, right? And so it hurts. It sucks. And it, just, it did feel like they they had a real shot. Um, that's, that's, I think, our best read on it. I understand it if some people disagree, uh, and I think we're going to get some more reporting that gives us more details. And yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at now. At the same time, like it's it's tough, and for Toronto, again, like it's funny because at the start of the offseason, it's a total pipe dream, and now look where you are. Now you're you're devastated, right? Um, at something that who knows how likely it was it was going to be. I, I do think that they that he was definitely interested. I don't think he would fly to Dunedin. Uh, at that point, just for show, I, I don't believe that. But ultimately, you know, the the, the final number is gonna is gonna win. And if they did end up blowing them out of the water, then that's just business. Uh, unfortunately, I, I yeah. Guess do in, in your do we really situation. think? Let me let me say this to Jays fans: like, 
Were you going to go to 701? <laughs> were the Jays going to go to 701? Maybe. Yeah. That doesn't feel like it to me. Like, Otani wanted to be a Dodger. Mm-hmm. He did. I think he at times kind of wanted to be a Blue Jay. Mm-hmm. I think you can believe both of those things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it feels weird to be. I do think that the Jays were used. I do. But that's how this goes. You know, and I think that Jays fans feeling irked are like totally within their rights to feel that way. Totally. Like, I, that's, I think that's fine. Like, now what I don't think should happen, I don't, they're going to boo Otani when he shows up. And they're playing sure. there in April, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are going to, to Toronto. They're going to boo him. And like, that kind of sucks. Because, yeah. and he can deal with it. He's making $700 million, whatever. <laughs> it's part of the job. But like, that kind of sucks because Otani didn't, there's no way Otani went to Nesbolello and was like, we put need Hershey to back on a plane. put Hershey back on a plane, like leak to Morosi that I'm on a plane. No. And there's a chance that like CAA didn't even leak this to Morosi. And like there was there's a million other ways this could have happened. Right. We really I really don't know. We don't know. We have no inside information on this. But like there is no way Otani had any say over this, over that part of it. Right. I doubt he has his fingerprints on the plain stuff or Morosi's tweet or Hornstra's tweet. Like I'm very skeptical. Maybe I'm not giving him enough. Maybe he's a mastermind. Who knows? But yeah. like, but to me, like I just view it as he, again, uh, this could be totally wrong, but like, this is a very realistic, super duper simplified uh, explanation for the entire thing is Shohei Otani wanted to be a Dodger and he had an agent that was tasked with getting him as much money as possible. And they mission did. accomplished, baby. They did it. So, that in that sense, it's not really all that complicated. Now that said, I also feel like we should acknowledge the Angels. <laughs> to be honest, um, not because we necessarily thought that there was a great chance for him to return, uh, but now that this is official and it's over, um, damn, that's uh, this will be a an era in baseball history that that really is um, remembered for a lot of bad things and that is unfortunate and i think that we can always be grateful we talked about how when we reflected on 2017 in a lot of senses he did pick the right place the exact right place where he could do whatever he wants and they do deserve the credit for letting him do his thing right but they didn't reciprocate they didn't put a winning team around him he could only do so much uh and and now here we are we're with him playing uh with the crosstown team an, as a kind of an outcome that we all sort of saw coming, but is is especially painful, and I can't imagine for Angels fans, um, you know, how you kind of kind of look ahead, especially because for Trout too, you know, now he's really left in a in a in an interesting place uh, moving forward. It's a results based industry, baby, yeah. and the Angels, their results sucked. Yep. They sucked over the last six years. They were not over yeah. five hundred with Shohei Otani on the team. There are reasons for that. You know, there are excuses. There are factors at play. I get that. Totally fine. But the the the, the output was an embarrassment. And, like, that's unfortunate. However, I am thankful for the Angels. I really am. They allowed Otani to develop into what he is right now. And even though they never reaped the rewards in a postseason success kind of way, they made enough money off of them, I'm sure. 
remember they were paying him like 20 cents and a bag of peanuts for the first couple of years, right? <laughs> Even though they didn't actually win anything, their role in, in allowing him to turn into this is so important, man, because I think other more organized teams might have wanted to put their finger on the scale a little more and pushed him in a certain direction, maybe made him choose one, maybe have him throw you know less in between starts. And the Angels said, Jesus, take the wheel. Shohei, you run your own situation. Yeah. And that is either stupidity, bravery, overconfidence, hopelessness, aimlessness, like whatever it is, we got it. We got Otani on all cylinders in maybe what will turn out to be the greatest three-year run in baseball history. And yeah. he does not get to do that if the Angels don't let him cook. Yeah, and let's appreciate it because I hope and I want to believe that he's coming back 100%. Um, I really do. Um, but who knows, right? The fact that we got that uh, is is really just can never – it can never – and it should not be silly. Like, it is not taken away. Okay, oh, sure, but we, we didn't get to see in October. I don't care. Like, ultimately, we got to watch him do this for three years in, in a way that is just so unfathomable. And um, I will I will always – be grateful that that the angels were were said yeah fuck it let's do it just go just go ke- just keep playing i it's so it was so nuts like it took me years even into 21 it took me a while to be like how is this person going going to go hit tomorrow he just threw 100 pitches and he was just like you know what because they said yeah, you know what you're the greatest player we've ever seen and you get to call the shots and i love that and we'll see we'll see i'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see the degree to which that continues with the dodgers you know once he uh once he comes back, but we'll see. So we'll see what happens with them. I mean, for them, it's like, listen, the roster's in a tough spot. It would have been a tough spot if they miraculously kept him. They have a lot of work to do. And then for Toronto, you know, I expect them to keep being aggressive. I know the Cubs and Giants kind of ended up on the periphery of this conversation in terms of the Otani sweepstakes, but it is a reminder that those teams now have so much pressure from fan base, from the fan bases to really make significant moves. Not that we really thought the Giants were going to have a great shot here. But it's another reminder, like, man, that's another one that we thought they could have been really in the mix here. And even though they got a meeting, it doesn't sound like they were ever really all that close. Doesn't feel like they missed out because it doesn't seem like they could. But, like, that's still another one that has gone by now in this multi, multi-year multi stretch of them trying to land their next guy. You know, Yamamoto's the next one. I'm sure we're going to be talking about him a lot this week. That's another one that if he goes by, it's like, okay, Giants, we're, 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 we keep missing. We keep missing. We keep missing. So these other teams here, not just Toronto, I, I am really interested as to how they they pivot and react uh, for the rest of the offseason. Um, but for now, it's, it's it's about the Dodgers and and uh, it's a hell of a hell of a baseball team, but they got some work to do as well. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that more soon. All right, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we will hit on a few of the other non-Otani moves that happened over the weekend uh, before we say goodbye. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. A couple interesting transactions over the weekend we wanted to hit on quickly before we go. The first one has not actually come out yet, but... You've seen uh, some of this reporting that, again, the Dodgers and Otani, I don't know when that's going to go official. There's certainly, I'm sure, a healthy amount of paperwork involved <laughs> in that contract. But they haven't even cleared a spot for Joe Kelly yet. So, first of all, I would love to see them go with the, just the one graphic that announces Otani and Joe Kelly at the same time. That would be incredible trolling. I would love for them to do that. Uh, but some reporting from Ken Rosenthal earlier on Sunday that they're working on a trade with the Yankees to 
maybe clear some of those roster spots and get a prospect back. So don't have that move yet, but maybe we'll have that. We'll talk about it later this week. Um, we Otani in the deal? Otani in the deal? Otani in the deal? Probably not. Otani in the deal. I, I doubt it. Does he but, have a no trade? Right, no opt-outs, but I, I, <laughs> I assume so. It's a tough contract to move. Uh, let's talk about some, uh, some moves, Jake. The Red Sox acquire Tyler O'Neill. This now, this is great because the Red Sox succeeded in getting rid of Alex Verdugo and Alex Verdugo in St. Louis was Tyler (laughs) O'Neill. This was in many respects, not quite to the same extreme degree, but if you follow the team closely and if you talk to people around and you understood the way that Ollie would talk about him and the kind of the back and forth, it was very similar. Now, the issue was that Tyler O'Neill was not playing well. Verdugo was generally always playing well enough where it was like, oh, fuck this fucking guy. But like, we got to keep playing him. O'Neill, it was like, we have other outfielders. We're not dealing with this shit. And they've been trying to trade him for like a year plus, And now he goes to the Red Sox to replace Verdugo, ironically. The Red Sox were like, yo, Ver- Verdugo, you need to work out more. And the Cardinals were like, hey, O'Neill, you need to work out less. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's fun to look at him without a shirt on. I understand that. that there's a reason baseball players do not look like that. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler O'Neill is a very weird player, um, weird looking player, weird profile. Had a pretty monster breakout a few years ago and just never was able to replicate it. He is Freaky fast in a way that's like freaky because of what he looks like and how fast he is. But his outfield defense has fluctuated. You would sometimes it's great. He can still play center field, but mostly we've seen him in left. Um, he was he's had some very strange injuries that has taken him a while to come back from. Never seemed to be on the same page with the coaching staff. And now he goes to Boston, where this makes a lot of sense because after the Verdugo trade, their outfield was Jaron Duran, projected was Jaron Duran. Uh, Sedan Rafaela, and who am I forgetting is the third Red Sox that they called up. Who, oh, uh, Willier Abreu, right? So that's like a combined like two years of service time, right? Now, Yoshida play a lot of left field. It seems like he's kind of tracking more in the DH, you know, level. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, okay. So they probably don't want him in the outfield. So now you bring in O'Neal, more an experienced guy, only one year left on his contract. There is upside there. He showed a lot more flashes once he came back from his injury in the second half. And yeah, I like this. I like this move. I mean, is he as safe a bet as Verdugo to be productive? No, but he's right-handed, uh, which I think big for them. And I, I think this is a nifty move. Cardinals add a couple more pitchers, which they're, of course, trying to... They've been doing that for the last, you know, six months. Just add as many pitchers as possible. Makes sense. O'Neal had no more room on this on this Red Sox... Uh, or on this Cardinals team. I like this a lot uh, for Boston, honestly. I think this could, this could be a really good spot for him. Also, a couple more signings. A couple relief uh, left-handers. Will Smith... Get your World World Series jokes in here, folks. Will Smith going to the Royals, Andrew Chafin to the Tigers. Now, on the one hand, the Royals' bullpen was an abomination this year. Uh, This was, talk about what's the easiest way to tank, and the Royals weren't trying to tank, but a bad bullpen can sink your team really faster than than you would think possible. You would think that, oh, no, that's not that much of the roster. No, no, no. This This can make your team very terrible, and that is what it did. So it's like, oh, great, they bring in some stability, veteran, Left like Will Smith. Will Smith, nah, I don't know. I don't think he's very good anymore. Uh, I don't really think he's very good anymore. But relievers are relievers. So would it surprise me if he goes there and like saves 30 games? No, not at all. Not whatsoever. You can totally Tigers that. signing Andrew Chafin feels like they've done that four times yeah. before. Yes. 
They signed him to a two-year deal <laughs> before 22 with right? an opt-out. Okay. And what happened? He he, <laughs> he opted out. He goes to the the D-backs and then ends up now back on the Tigers. Um, with again, a brief stop with the Brewers. With brief stop with the Brewers. Yeah. It's, it's just a very strange sequence here. Uh, Chafin, weird guy, weird sequence, not surprising. But the, the thing here is just like there are a lot of relievers that have been signing. We haven't seen the top of the market that have moved yet. And I'm curious to see with Hayter and Stevenson, those guys. But like a lot of relievers have have signed and it's just kind of we, we just see it and then we move on. People are flabbergasted that Shohei Otani got $700 million. However, it was not the craziest contract of the weekend because Austin Hedges, <laughs> because Austin Hedges, who had a 27 OPS plus, a 461 OPS, one home run, negative 1.1 wins, and a motherfucking World Series ring, baby, signed and a, a big whole lot of alcohol and a whole lot of booze. Had. People love this guy. He is the epitome of a clubhouse good time. And boy, he's got a $4 million from okay. the Guardians. So Cleveland, first of all, $4 million will tie him, I think makes him like the fifth highest paid player. Eh, it's a little bit of a stretch because I guess with Arb, they've got, you know, Naylor maybe making seven. They traded for Barlow. But the point is $4 million guaranteed for a guy who... I imagine it's basically just there to like teach Bo Naylor how to catch is just tremendous stuff. Um, and uh, hey, Boris, Boris is at it again. You think about him at the top of the market, but while we're all waiting on Snell Montgomery, Chavin Bellinger, he's like, yo, let me get Eric Fetty, 15 mil. Let me get Austin Hedges, another guaranteed $4 million, despite being one of the worst hitters of the 21st century. Uh, and we love to see it. And they loved him in Cleveland. He was there for a few years. I'm, I'm not at all surprised that he ended up back there. How you end up at $4 million, who is to say? But congrats to Austin Hedges on landing another, uh, some more guaranteed money. Uh, and then the Braves have just made a bunch of really strange, <laughs> really strange moves. We, of course, had the Mariners deal. But then they they traded Marco Gonzalez away. And then now they trade Evan White away. They bring back Max Stassi and David Fletcher from the Angels. They trade Stassi immediately to the White Sox. They've just shuffled the, their payroll at the top here like 16 different times over the last two weeks. The only thing I want to ask you, Jake, is David Fletcher, it seems like they like want David Fletcher on the team. I guess he's just now Nicky Lopez. Is that fair to say? I think he's always been Nicky Lopez. Right, right. He was before Nicky Lopez. He was Nicky Lopez. So yeah, uh, both members of Team Italy, of course. But that's not, my read on this, I not- assume. I don't understand it. Like, is it like Nicky Lopez is a better version of David Fletcher right now? Yeah. Cheaper too. Cause Fletcher has this kind of weirdo. He signed an extension with the angels after he like had some nice seasons and it's like, Nope, Nope, not, not a good player. Like has been in AAA a lot uh, recently, but now he's on the Braves and yeah, I mean, he's got 6 million this year, six and a half next year guaranteed. And then some team options which again is definitely more than Nicky Lopez was making. But I guess he's just on their bench now, right? I mean, that's it's not that complicated. Like he's he is in that spot. Yeah, I guess. Like for yeah. now, you never know. Yeah. So Braves uh doing very weird stuff. And Max Stassi. Max Stassi. I, I love that there was a half second where people were like, wait a minute, 
Max Stassi has caught Shohei Otani more than any other pitcher, and he's best, and Shohei Otani's best friends with David Fletcher or the Braves. No, no, no. Braves were never in. I am so confident that the Braves were never even remotely close to no. talking about Shohei Otani. No. Uh, I think that's it, Jake. Let's end it here. Uh, hey, we... oh my God. Did you see Shohei Otani sign with the Dodgers? What? Yeah. Where is it? Where? What's your proof? Where's my proof this? is in my pudding. Yeah. Um, and we, by the way, like I am still fascinated with the Blue Jays uh, side of this here. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith, who I would love to have in the pod here soon, just tweeted a little bit ago. Blue Jays offer to Shohei Otani was right there financially with Dodgers 10-year $700 million deal. It's possible. Oh. And it's possible that they wow. got to 700 and Shohei Otani was like, yeah, I, I would want to be on the Dodgers. Sorry. Uh, we'll see. I would, Again, I would more, want to be on the Dodgers. It seems yeah, pretty a lot cool. More, a lot more reporting to come. So we will see on that. All right, let's cut it off here. We'll be back on Wednesday with our dear friend, Mike Farron, also reacting uh, with another episode of Prospect Barbacast. And uh, we'll also hit on any other news that happens over the next couple of days. But thank you again for all the support. We have officially reached 1 million downloads on this podcast. Holy crap, Jake Mintz. That's, I mean, 699 million to go, right? We're blessed, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Otani really kind of making that look not all that impressive. You, you know Otani will really be famous and a big deal soon if he starts his own pod. If he starts his own pod. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, my God, that reminds me. One final thing. One final thing. Then we say goodbye. Okay, Jake. What else were we talking about a lot? The winner means about Shohei Otani. His dog. His dog, right? Oh, yeah. So, I received a text from my brother-in-law. Shouts out Ben. Younger brother of my lovely wife, Bailey. And he pointed out something that I had never really... I, I, I forgot about this. Which is, he was like, hey... Do you remember in the John Boy's Mariners documentary, him referencing a story where Ichiro refused to share the name of his dog? And I went and looked, and this is a true thing. This is a real thing that happened 20 plus years ago where Ichiro was being interviewed like during his rookie year. And basically, early in his career, apparently, he had this dog that he loved. And where he first lived in Seattle, he wasn't allowed to have a dog in his apartment. And then when he finally talked about how much how much he missed his dog, how much he missed his dog. And then he finally got a house and he brought the dog and blah, 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 blah. And apparently, they asked him, okay, yeah, well, what's, what's the dog's name? And Ichiro had some quote that was like, I... I can't tell you, like, I haven't, I don't have permission from the dog to tell you, <laughs> was the Ichiro quote, which is just an all time. Uh, and there's like some slight variations of the translation there, but I can send the excerpts and whatever. And I just wanted to say, shouts out Ben for bringing this to light because there is some precedent here. And I hope that when Shohei Otani is introduced at the Dodgers press conference, I hope that someone asks him, what's his dog? And I hope he says, the dog has not given me permission to tell you what his name is yet. So, so anyway, I just wanted to share that. Shouts out, Ben, for, for giving me that. Maybe we could tweet about it, too. Um, so we got to definitely the, send it to Steph Epstein and see what she thinks. I know. Someone get the dog a waiver. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you to Isabella Josen for producing. Chris Tyler going to be off for a while, but Isabella's got us covered. We really appreciate it for her joining us here on this Sunday night. And we'll be back on Wednesday with Prospect Barbacast. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Thank you all for listening. Rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll talk to you all very soon.
Sirius XM Podcasts.